Welcome to News Breakdown. In today's episode, we'll be taking a look at one of Africa's most popular ethnic groups, which is known as the Maasai. The Maasai inhabit northern, central and southern Kenya and northern Tanzania. It is believed they are close to 1 million in population today. They are famous around the world for various reasons, such as their bright red robes and long spears set them apart from many tribes around the world. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at their history, where do they live, how do they live, their diet, customs, religion, marriages, and what problems they face today. So if you're watching this episode on YouTube, please do not forget to subscribe. And if you're listening to the audio version on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please consider subscribing. So we'll kick off the episode with their history. The Maasai originated from the lower Nile Valley north of Lake Turkana, northwest Kenya, and began migrating south around the 15th century. They arrived at a long landmass stretching from what is now known as northern Kenya to central Tanzania between the 17th and the late 18th centuries. Their place of origin, which neighbours Sudan, is the reason why the Maasai visually look like the people who are today known to be from Sudan. The name Maasai means people who speak the language of Ma, which is an Eastern Sudanic language, which is a language that comes from the Nilo-Saharan language family. The Nilo-Saharan language family contains languages that are spoken by approximately 50 million people in Africa today. Some of the languages included in this family of languages are Nubian, which is a language spoken in modern-day Egypt, Dinka, which is spoken in South Sudan. The name Maasai has been widely spelt as Maasai, as in M-A-S-I, which was the incorrect spelling of the British settlers and has remained in current use till today. However, the correct spelling of Maasai is M-A-A-S-A-I, as you can see from the title of the episode. Unlike many other tribes in Kenya and Tanzania, the Maasai are semi-nomadic and pastoral. They live by herding cattle and goats. The Maasai tribes have previously occupied the most fertile lands in Kenya and Tanzania prior to the arrival of the British settlers. The Maasai struggled to preserve their territory but their spears were no match for the armed British troops and their lawyers never had a fair chance in British courtrooms. In 1904, the Maasai signed the first agreement losing the best of their land to the European settlers. The Maasai can now be found in two countries of Eastern Africa, which are Kenya and Tanzania, as mentioned earlier in the episode. They have inhabited these lands since the 17th century. The Maasai graze their cattle in both Kenya and Tanzania today, recognising no borders between the two countries. Originating from the ancient lands near Sudan, the Maasai can trace themselves back hundreds of years. The Maasai speak a language called Ma. As mentioned earlier in the episode, an extensive oral law governs many aspects of their lifestyle. The definition of oral law is a code of conduct in use in a given culture by which a body of rules of human behaviour is transmitted by oral tradition and effectively respected, or is the single rule that is orally transmitted within society. Ma is only spoken, not written, and Maasai children are schooled in Swahili or English to better equip them for the modern world today. Maasai families live in an enclosure called an Nkang. Each Nkang contains 10 to 20 small dwellings surrounded by a boundary made from thorn bushes. The circular dwellings are made from a mixture of cow dung, mud and grass packed into a timber frame and usually only have one or two rooms. 
because the tribe is semi-nomadic, the huts are easy to disassemble and build using readily available indigenous materials. The Maasai women build the huts and at night, cows and goats are brought into the enclosure to protect them from wild animals. The Maasai culture is strongly patriarchal, with the elder men of the tribe typically deciding on all matters that affect the group. These matters can be civil disputes over land or serious cases that happen in all societies around the world. The traditional Maasai diet consists of six basic foods, meat, blood, milk, fat, honey and tree bark. They drink both fresh and curded milk. The fresh milk is drunk from the calabash and sometimes it's mixed with fresh kettle blood. The blood is obtained by nicking the jugular vein from one of their livestock. Mixed blood and milk are mostly used as a ritual drink and as nourishment for the sick. Bulls, oxen and lambs are slaughtered for meat on special occasions and ceremonies. The byproducts of the animals, a skin and the hides, are used as bedding while cow dung is used for building. The dung is smeared on the walls of their dwellings as mentioned earlier in the episode. The Maasai's entire way of life truly evolves around their kettle. More recently, the Maasai people have supplemented their diet with farm crops such as maize meal, rice, cabbage, among other foods. Like many tribes around the world, women and men play different roles and it is no different with the Maasai. The women amongst the Maasai are responsible for milking their kettle, which they highly value. The milk which comes from the kettle is a source of food as mentioned earlier, and in some cases the milk is now sold within their communities. In this section of the episode, we'll be taking a look at marriages. Marriage is an important part of Maasai culture, and young women and men have little say in who they'll marry. Marriage is arranged by elders from the proposed bride's family without informing the bride and her mother. Dances are common, and this is where boys and girls meet. When a boy admires a girl, he goes to his parents, and the parents go to the girl's family to ask for her hand in marriage. If the family agrees, the boy's parents would return on the next visit with a dowry. In this case, girls do not have a choice but to accept because it is their parents' wish for them to be married into the proposed family. Early enforced marriages are still common in rural areas, which is something the authorities within the countries that the Maasai inhabit are trying to deal with. Bride wealth is a big deal within the Maasai culture. In the Maasai community, a girl is worth the value of a cow or two, a herd of sheep and goats or both. Polygamy is common amongst older men within the Maasai and for those who are not aware what this means, it means that a man has more than one wife. When a man decides to get married, he typically has to pay a substantial bride price in livestock for his new wife. And this may reinforce the idea of polygamy within the Maasai culture, as it is believed that having more than one wife is deemed as a sign of wealth, and this coupled with the potential of having many children from many wives is seen as a way of retaining wealth. Wife lending also occurs between men of the same age set. This is basically what it says in the tin, men swap their wives. So we move on to my favorite part of the episode on each episode that we do on these tribes and this is their customs. This is my favorite section of each episode, as mentioned, exploring some of the many customs that each tribe will look at has. Kenya recognizes over 50 tribes of native people. 
The Maasai were the dominating tribe at the beginning of the 20th century. They are now one of the very few tribes that have retained most of their traditions and lifestyle. In this section of the episode, we'll be taking a look at some of their customs, which are sometimes deemed controversial. So we'll start off with the beads. The beads that they wear are heavily associated with their identity around the world and they do have a symbolic meaning and purpose to the Maasai. One of the main uses of the beads by the Maasai is their cultural significance for them. The practice is done specifically by women and is considered their duty to learn beadwork. These products are for both men and women and they're used in cultural practices such as weddings, rituals and community events. The tradition of Maasai beadwork dates back hundreds of years. It's become significant and known to the rest of the world in the 19th century after trade with other tribes began. Of course, we got to the age of modern materials and the materials used to make these beads has changed over the years. Initially, Maasai women used dried grass, sticks, clay, seeds and shells as materials to make the traditional ornaments. Over time, they began using attractive beads made of plastic and glass that they obtained from other communities through trade. Maasai beadwork is worn according to the age and social status of the individual. Unmarried females wear large flat beaded discs around their neck when dancing as a sign of grace and flexibility. A woman getting married wears a very elaborate and heavily beaded neck piece on her wedding day. And once married, she wears a long necklace with blue beads. Those of a high social status wear more colorful beads. There are a number of different colors used in Maasai beadwork and each one holds a special meaning. Red signifies blood, bravery and unity. White represents health, peace and purity. Blue is the color of the sky and represents energy. And green is the color of grass, which signifies land and production. Black represents the people and the struggle they must endure. Yellow symbolizes the sun, fertility and growth. And orange represents warmth, generosity and friendship. You can say if Maasai land was ever to become an independent nation, these colors would definitely form their flag. As in many cultures, around the world there is a time in life when you're considered a man and you have to undertake a form of cultural transition to be considered a man up until recently the only way for a Maasai boy to achieve warrior status was to single-handedly kill a lion with his spear of course as the world became more aware of the dangers of continuing practices like these and the Maasai also being part of the effort to save and conserve the little natural wildlife we have left not only in sub-saharan Africa but across the world between the ages of about 14 and 30, young men are traditionally known as Morans. During this life stage, they live in isolation in the bush, learning tribal customs and developing strength, courage and endurance traits. During this time, this is when the old methods of being initiated into manhood by single-handedly hunting a lion usually took place. The Maasai are not known for writing down their history in any form of documentation over the centuries. They record their history using a method called oral history. This means their history is passed down from one generation to the next through storytelling. Body modifications are common among the Maasai with ear piercing and earlobe stretching most regularly practiced. Both men and women wear beaded jewelry as mentioned above and large round earlobe discs and elaborate earrings are worn, especially during ceremonies. Earlobe stretching begins gradually from a young age and the large spaced lobes are thought to be a sign of age and wisdom. 
The Maasai men cover their bodies in a mixture of butterfat and red pigment that has been ground from earth containing a high iron ore content to enhance their appearance. As some young warriors display their fierce status by marking their bodies with hot spears, causing permanent scarring. The Maasai are people not known to use instruments when they are singing and dancing. All of their music is vocal, except for the large horns used for certain ceremonial songs. Their music comprises of rhythms rendered by a chorus of vocalists singing harmonies with a song leader singing the melodies. The song leader is usually the person who can best sing that song. The beads that both men and women wear also create a jingling sound to themselves whilst the Maasai jump and dance, which they are famous for around the world. Women recite lullabies, hum songs and sing music that praises their sons. The peak season for singing and dancing is during the rains, which is favourable time to celebrate important passages of life such as circumcision and marriages. The Maasai still practice female circumcision, which is a controversial practice that is practiced around the world. Many authorities around the world have been trying to put a stop to this ancient practice. Female circumcision is a long-standing social-cultural practice deeply rooted within the Maasai tradition and it has a prevalence of nearly 89% throughout Maasai land. While female circumcision is outlawed in Kenya, a large number of parents still force their girls to undergo female circumcision. This is deemed to help avoid teenage pregnancies and increase the young girls' marriageability. Typically, Maasai girls are circumcised between the ages of 11 and 13 and then soon married to a man chosen by their father in exchange for Ketul, as mentioned above earlier in the episode. In this section, we'll take a look at the Maasai religion. The tribe is monotheistic with one god named Engai, which means a benevolent black god. The colours red and black have precise meanings within the Maasai religion. Black and dark blue mean that the god is well disposed towards men. Red, on the other hand, is identified with God's irritation. The Maasai god Engai takes on two different iterations. Engai Narok, the black god, is according to the Maasai, is good, beloved and brings grass and prosperity. He is found in thunder and rain. Engai Nanyoki, the red god, is vengeful and brings famine and hunger. He is found in lighting and identified with the dry season. This ties into the importance of Ketul to the Maasai, which can be tracked back to their religion and to their god. Ceremonial events are directed by a ritual expert who, although has no political power, is the religious head of his people and will hold that position until they die and someone else chosen by the community takes over that important position within the Maasai community. So what problems do the Maasai face today? One threat to the Maasai has come from the game hunters in the Lolindo region of northern Tanzania. Here Maasai villages have been burnt to the ground by the authorities and thousands have been brutally evicted to provide a company with more access to land for game hunting. Most of what used to be Maasai land has already been taken over for private farms and ranches government projects, wildlife parks or privately hunting concessions. They currently retain the dry and fertile lands within their former territory. 
So like many indigenous tribes around the world, the Maasai are facing threats to the way they live. A number of campaign groups for the Maasai have emerged within both the countries they occupy. The practice of early marriages has also contributed to some of the issues that the Maasai face in today's modern world. This practice has ensured that less than 20% of Maasai girls enroll in school. Few finish primary school and even less transition to secondary school and universities. So in conclusion, I'd like to say many Maasai are finding the traditional way of life increasingly difficult to maintain and preserve. The Kenyan and Tanzanian governments are encouraging the Maasai to make permanent agricultural settlements and to give up the practice of isolating young men in favour of formal education and greater assimilation. I'm of the belief that they should be allowed to maintain their way of life and be left to choose what modern conveniences they bring forward to their lives and which ones not to. Of course, if you think different, please let me know in the comments. However, in recent years, projects have been implemented to help the Maasai tribal leaders find ways to maintain their lifestyles while simultaneously balancing the educational needs of the Maasai children with the modern world. Some of the Maasai have moved away from the nomadic life in search of modern careers, yet despite their urban lifestyle, still take time to return to their traditional land and dress in their customary style at ease with themselves and the world. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening and please don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you're watching the video version of this episode. If you are listening to the audio version, please make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are using to listen. Thanks for listening.